Welcome, everyone. We're continuing our perpetual reading of the Srimad Bhagavatam at Canto 2, Chapter 6, Purusha Shukta confirms, and we're taking up at text number 19, where we left off yesterday. Padeshu Sarva Bhutani Pumsastiti Pado Vidu Amritam Shemam Abhayam Sri Murdno Dhai Murdasu. Thank you for coming, everyone. Very um, auspicious to come and sit and hear the Bhagavatam. Srinvatam Swakata Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtana. Just by listening to the Bhagavatam, one accumulates bhakti unmukhi sukriti, through which one develops pure love of God. There's a diminishment of the modes of material nature within the heart, where they accumulate after <coughs> millennia of taking birth again and again in the material world and associating with three modes of material nature which cause our various tribulations in this world. Purusha prakriti stohi bhunkte prakriti jangunan karanam gunasangosya sarasad yoni janvasu If you wonder why you're in good and bad situations, it's because of having associated with the modes of material nature in the material world. And they're very sticky. They're hard to get off of oneself once one gets them on. So what do you do when that happens in normal day life? You need a solution that will dissolve the sticky substance. For instance, if you spill cranberry juice on your white carpet, what do you use? Somebody must know. Anybody with kids? <laughs> Maybe club soda, I don't know. But there's always something that unlocks the enzymes and lets it go. So by hearing Bhagavatam, tada rajas tamo bhava kama lobare yashcheye cheta iter anavidam stitam sakte prasiddhati. The modes of material nature which cause us to take rebirth in this material world again and again are diminished by hearing Bhagavatam, simply by sitting and hearing. Prabhupada said at first when he heard from his spiritual master, he didn't understand everything. But because he stayed and listened, then, of course, he understood everything then. So, sthitam sattve prasiddhati means that one becomes situated spiritually. This sattve that's described in the first canto, second chapter of the Bhagavatam, is shuddha sattva. means one rises above the three modes of material nature and comes to the spiritual platform. Sattvam Vishuram Vasudeva Shabditam Yadiyate Tatra Puman Apavrita. And from that position, one can naturally see the Supreme Personality of Godhead clearly by being situated above the three modes of material nature. And to reach that stage, one simply has to go on with the process of devotional service. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Mam Chayov Yavicharena Bhakti Yogena Sevate. Like an airplane, it goes down the runway faster and faster, and then it lifts up, and it goes above the clouds and into the light. So similarly, in this lifetime, we have a little runway, 
We're not sure how much runway space we have, so we've got to get as much speed as possible while we can. Because uh, we need to rise above the three modes of material nature. So try to serve. This is the best service, sitting and hearing Bhagavatam and then keeping that same vibration going in all aspects of one's life and volunteering for service throughout one's life to serve Krishna will bring one to this uh, position of rising above the material modes of material nature. Hare Krishna. The first verse for tonight. The Supreme Personality of God is to be known as the supreme reservoir of all material opulences by the one-fourth of his energy in which all the living entities exist. Deathlessness, fearlessness, and freedom from the anxieties of old age and disease exist in the kingdom of God, which is beyond the three higher planetary systems and beyond the material coverings. And before we continue, I offer my respectful obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, to all the previous Acharyas, and to all of you, uh, fellow travelers on the path back to Godhead. Hare Krishna. Purport. Out of the total manifestations of the Sandini energy of the Lord, one-fourth is displayed in the material world, and three-fourths are displayed in the spiritual world. The Lord's energy is divided into three component parts, namely Sandini, Sangvit, and Hladini. In other words, he is the full manifestation of existence, knowledge, and bliss. In the material world, such a sense of existence, knowledge, and pleasure is meagerly exhibited. And all living entities who are minute parts and parcels of the Lord are eligible to relish such consciousness of existence, knowledge, and bliss very minutely in the liberated stage, whereas in the conditioned stage of material existence, they can hardly appreciate what is the factual, existential, cognizable, and pure happiness of life. The liberated souls who exist in far greater numerical strength than those souls in the material world can factually experience the potency of the above-mentioned Sandini, Samvit, and Taladini energies of the Lord in the matter of deathlessness fearlessness and freedom from old age and disease. In the material world, the planetary systems are arranged in three spheres named Triloka, or Swarga, Marja, and Patala. And all of them constitute only one-fourth of the total Sundini energy. Beyond that is the spiritual sky where the Vaikuntha planets exist beyond the coverings of the seven material strata. In none of the Triloka planetary systems can one experience the status of immortality, full knowledge, and full bliss. The upper three planetary systems are called sattvika planets because they provide facilities for a long duration of life and relative freedom from disease and old age, as well as a sense of fearlessness. The great sages and saints are promoted beyond the heavenly planets to Maharloka, But that also is not the place of complete fearlessness because at the end of one kalpa, the mahar loka is annihilated and the inhabitants have to transport themselves to still higher planets. Yet, even on these planets, no one is immune to death. 
there may be a comparative extension of life, expansion of knowledge, and sense of full bliss. But factual deathlessness, fearlessness, and freedom from old age, diseases, etc., are possible only beyond the material spheres of the coverings of the material sky. Such things are situated on the head, Ajayi Murdhasu, the head of the universal form. So Purush Sukta confirmed. The Purush Sukta is a uh, mantra from Rig Veda, and it is a description of how the devas are performing uh, yagya to the Supreme Lord, but because they have no tangible ingredients, they're offering the various parts of the Lord's universal form back to the Lord himself. Uh, and... Um, in this chapter, we've heard that actually there is nothing but the universal form of the Lord. Everything's assumed within the personality of the Lord, including ourselves, we're part and parcel of the Lord. And all the energies of the world emanate from Him. So when we offer something to the Lord, Patram Pushpam Halam Toyam, as Krishna gives us some easy direction, some directions for easily offering Him anything anywhere, Patram Pushpam Halam Toyam. And we can know that it's just like when you go to the Ganga and you take a little water and you offer it back to the Ganga. <laughs> what are you going to offer the Ganga? But it's the feeling that you're giving with, the feeling of offering and acknowledgement that this is Ganga offering back into Ganga. So in Purusukta, the devas are offering sacrifice, following the principle of sacrifice, of offering everything to the Lord, but it's acknowledging also that these are all the ingredients are coming from the universal form of the Lord. Everyone okay? You can hear all right? Okay. 20. Padas trayo bahishchasan aprajanam yashrama antas trilokyas toparo graha medho brahadvrataha The spiritual world which consists of three-fourths of the Lord's energy, is situated beyond this material world, and it is especially meant for those who will never be reborn. Others who are attached to family life and who do not strictly follow celibacy vows must live within the three material worlds. Purport, the climax, don't worry everybody, you're going to be okay. I mean, just because you're a grahasta of family life. In Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement, most people are grahastas. And uh, uh, by the process, anyway, I'll read the purport. The climax of the system of Varnashrama Dharma and Sanatana Dharma is clearly expressed here in the particular verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. The highest benefit that can be awarded to a human being is to train him to be detached from sex life, particularly because it is only due to sex indulgence that the conditioned life of material existence continues birth after birth. Human civilization in which there is no control of sex life is a fourth-class civilization because in such an atmosphere there is no liberation of the soul encaged in the material body. Birth, death, old age, and disease are related to the material body and they have nothing to do with the spirit soul. But as long as the bodily attachment for sensual enjoyment is encouraged, the individual spirit soul is forced to continue the repetition of birth and death on account of the material body which is composed 
is compared to garments subjected to the law of deterioration. In order to award the highest benefit of human life, the Varnashrama system trains the follower to adopt the vows of celibacy beginning from the order of Brahmachari. The Brahmachari life is for students who are educated to follow strictly the vow of celibacy. Youngsters who have had no taste of sex life can easily follow the vow of celibacy, and once fixed in the principle of such a life, one can very easily continue to the highest perfectional stage, attaining the kingdom of the three-fourths energy of the Lord. It is already explained that in the cosmos of three-fourths energy of the Lord, there is neither death nor fear, and one is full of the blissful life of happiness and knowledge. A householder attached to family life can easily give up such a life of sex indulgence if he has been trained in the principles of the life of a brahmachari. A householder is recommended to quit home, to quit home at the end of 50 years, pancho shordvam vanam vrajet, and live a life in the forest. Then, being fully detached from family affection, he may accept the order of renunciation as a sannyasi, fully engaged in the service of the Lord. Any form of religious principles in which the followers are trained to pursue the vow of celibacy is good for the human being because only those who are trained in that way can end the miserable life of material existence. The principles of nirvana, as recommended by Lord Buddha, are also meant for ending the miserable life of material existence. And this process, in the highest degree, is recommended here in the Srimad Bhagavatam with clear perception of ideal perfection, although basically there is no difference between the process of the Buddhist, Shankarites, and Vaishnavites. For promotion to the highest status of perfection, namely freedom from birth and death, anxiety and fearlessness, not one of these processes allows the follower to break the vow of celibacy. The householders and persons who have deliberately broken the vow of celibacy cannot enter into the kingdom of deathlessness. The pious householders or the fallen yogis or the fallen transcendentalists can be promoted to the higher planets within the material world, one-fourth of the energy of the Lord, but they will fail to enter in the king, into the kingdom of deathlessness. Abrihadratas are those who have broken the vow of celibacy. The vanaprastas, or those retired from family life, and the sannyasis, or the renounced persons, cannot break the vow of celibacy if they want success in the process. The brahmacharis, vanaprastas, and sannyasis do not intend to take rebirth. Apraja. Apraja. They are, nor are they, nor are they meant for secretly indulging in sex life. Such a, fallen, such a fall down by the spiritualist may be compensated by another chance for human life in good families of learned prominence or of rich merchants for another term of elevation. But the best thing is to attain the highest perfection of deathlessness as soon as the human form of life is attained. Otherwise, the whole policy of human life will prove to be a total failure. Lord Chaitanya was very strict in advising his followers in this matter of celibacy. One of his personal attendants, Chota Haridas, was severely punished by Lord Chaitanya because of his failure to observe the vow of celibacy. For a transcendentalist, therefore, 
who at all wants to be promoted to the kingdom beyond material miseries, it is worse than suicide to deliberately indulge in sex life, especially in the renounced order of life. Sex life in the renounced order of life is the most perverted form of religious life, and such a misguided person can only be saved if, by chance, he meets a pure devotee. Sruti vichakrabi vishvan shashana nashani ube yad avidyacha vidyacha purushash tubhayashrayaha. By his energies, the all-pervading personality of Godhead is thus comprehensively the master in the activities of controlling and in devotional service. He is the ultimate master of both nescience and factual knowledge of all situations. The word vishvan is significant in this verse. One who travels perfectly in every field of activity is called the purusha or shetragnya. These two terms, shetragnya and purusha, are equally applicable to both the individual self and the supreme self, the Lord. In the Bhagavad Gita 13.3, the matter is explained as follows. Shetragnyam chapimam vidhi sarva shetri shubharata shetra shetragnyayurgnyanam yatajnyanam matambama Shetra means the place, and one who knows the place is called the Shetragnya. The individual self knows about his limited field of activities, but the Supreme Self, the Lord, knows about the unlimited field of activities. The individual soul knows about his own thinking, feeling, and willing activities, but the Supersoul, or the Paramatma, the Supreme Controller, being present everywhere, knows everyone's thinking, feeling, and willing activities, and as such, the individual living entity is the minute master of his personal affairs, whereas the Supreme Personality of God is the master of everyone's affairs, past, present, and future, Viraham Samatitani, etc. The minute master. You put it on a business card. Hi, my name is Roger, minute master. <laughs> Only the ignorant person does not know this difference between the Lord and the living entities. The living entities are distinguished from in incognizant matter. The living entities, as distinguished from incognizant matter, may be qualitatively equal to the Lord in cognizance, but the living entity can never be equal to the Lord in full knowledge of past, present, and future. And because the living entity is partially cognizant, he is therefore sometimes forgetful of his own identity. This forgetfulness is specifically manifested in the field of ekapad vibhuti of the Lord or in the material world. But in the tripad vibhuti field of activities or in the spiritual world, there is no forgetfulness by the living entities who are free from all kinds of contaminations resulting from the forgetful state of existence. The material body is the symbol of the gross and subtle form of forgetfulness. Therefore, the whole atmosphere of the material world is called avidya, or nescience, whereas the whole atmosphere of the spiritual world is called vidya, or full of knowledge. There are different stages of avidya, and they are called dharma, artha, and moksha. 
the idea of moksha or liberation held by the monist in the matter of oneness of the living entity and the Lord by ultimate merging in one is also the last stage of materialism or forgetfulness. Knowledge of the qualitative oneness of the self and super-self is partial knowledge and ignorance also because there is no knowledge of quantitative difference as explained, as explained above. The individual self can never be equal to the Lord in cognizance. Otherwise, he could not be placed in a state, in the state of forgetfulness. So, because there is a stage of forgetfulness of the individual selves or the living entities, there is always a gulf of difference between the Lord and the living entity, as between the part and the whole. The part is never equal to the whole. So, the conception of 100% equality of the living being with the Lord is also nescience. In the field of nescience, activities are directed towards lording it over the creation. In the material world, therefore, everyone is engaged in acquiring material opulence to lord it over the material world. Therefore, there is always clash and frustration, which are the symptoms of nescience. But in the field of knowledge, there is devotional service to the Lord, Bhakti. Therefore, there is no chance of being contaminated by the influence of nescience or forgetfulness, avidya, in the liberated stage of devotional activities. The Lord is thus the proprietor of the fields both of nescience and of cognition, and it remains the choice of the living entity to exist in either of the above regions. Now we'll just take a few reflections or questions. Reflections means anything you've heard so far that you want to put back into the atmosphere or a question. Yes, Prabhu. I like the comments on liberation is ignorance. <laughs> Some also come on moksha ignorance. Yeah. The conception of andam tama prabhishanti vishambhutim upasate tatabhuye vate tamoya usambhutyam rataha this is mentioned also in the Ishri Shupanishad. Those who worship the, the devas enter the darkest region of ignorance, but we're still are those who worship the impersonal absolute. In fact, it's considered abominable. Prabhupada uses this phrase sometimes in his books, the impersonal supersoul. There is a class of uh, pancho pas sukkas. They uh, worship five forms in this world because... It's very difficult to worship anything formless. But their ultimate end is to merge into the super-soul. And this is uh, an abomination in that um, it's a uh, kind of cheating process and one also loses one's individual personality. So it's considered to be a kind of ignorance. Let's see what else. Any other reflections or questions? What did you hear? Yeah. Yes. Well, what happens when we break vows? Well, um, vows are important because, uh, well, as Rishabhadeva said, Nayam Deho Deha Bhajam Vriloke Kashtan Kam Amarahate Vibhujangye Tapodibhyam Putra Kayena Sattvam Shudyad Yasmad Brahma Saukyam Tvanantam. 
There's a way in which by taking sacred vows to do austerities on behalf of the Lord, tapo divyam, they're divine. Then putraka, yena sat, one becomes purified by that process of taking a vow. And uh, your pledge is your wedge. So a wedge has a small end and a big end. It's the most useful tool in human history. It's used in many architectural designs and also as a, uh, a way to open things up that couldn't otherwise be open, like with an axe. And so when you even make a small vow, uh, once you make that vow, then it um, starts an opening in what otherwise couldn't be opened. Those who don't make any vow at all just say, well, you know, I just think of Krishna whenever I feel like it. But as far as counting anything, I don't want any counter beads because I don't want to be, you know, tied down to anything. Well, news is you're already tied down to something, <laughs> your mind and senses. But when you tie yourself down by making a vow and saying, I'm going to chant one mantra a day, as small as that may seem, just the very fact that it's not less than one and something more than zero that starts you on the process of advancing in devotional service. So, of course, someone may make a vow and then find oneself inadvertently not following it, in which case one should then follow it again. And the admonition uh, or the direction given by Krishna himself in the Bhagavatam, Supadamulam bhajata priyasya tatanya bhavasya hare priyashaha vikarma yachchot patitam katanchid tunoti sarvam hridisani vishtaha means that the Lord's within your heart. And therefore, if for some reason you do vikarma, you do the wrong thing, then there's no prayaschitta per se, except for continuing to do devotional service. Because Krishna, knowing your heart, will then purify you of that propensity and you'll be able to make advancement. Prabhupada mentions in the light of the Bhagavad that missteps in devotional service may not be detrimental. They may be the pillars to success. As sometimes when somebody makes a vow and then inadvertently misses the vow, then there's some sense of uh, repentance. Uh, it shouldn't become uh, pathological so that one then says, well, I can't do anything, so I quit. That's just an excuse. You have to keep trying because, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, every soul can rise in due course of time. And the Shastra says you can rise, so it means you can. So you just have to keep trying. But you may remember those times when you missed and then you made a comeback by the Lord's grace, and that may become a source of strength for you, and for others as well, who may ask you, so how'd you do it? In fact, sometimes I think of maturity as when time goes by, those who have stayed with the process long enough have enough of those missteps and know how to come back into the practice of devotional service that they become venerable, and others look to them for help because they, they're real. Atmao pam yena sarvatra samam pashiti arjuna sukham vahyadabhadukam sa yogi paramomataha. Krishna says in the Gita, sixth chapter, that the parama yogi, the best yogi, is one who has experience in the material world. Sukham vahyadabhadukam. He knows about the happiness, distress, and the, the uh, difficulties of the world and therefore can empathize with others.
Would you like to inquire further? So, um, when you take vows during initiation, some people make extra vows. Uh, we were talking about this this morning in the shop, and uh, not only if you break your vows, um, whatever they may be, your spiritual master gets a karma. They don't get the karma if they if you make a vow. If the spiritual master gets a karma. For you missing your vows? Well, um, yeah. I mean, in the uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas, there's a verse about how just as a king gets a little bit of the, some percentage of the karma of his citizens, so similarly, the spiritual master takes some reaction. But you should consider what that looks like. It's like a parent has kids. And if the parent, if the kids uh, misbehave, the parent suffers mentally. And similarly, if you take charge of somebody and you give them your heart and soul and they give you their heart and soul and you see them not doing well, then you suffer mentally because you think, oh, I wish I could do more for this person and you don't want them to suffer. That's really the suffering of somebody who takes spiritual responsibility. Otherwise, we're not really afraid of any reactions. Because, Yastvindra Gopamatavendra Mahokas Sukarma Pandal Rupa Palabhajanam Apnoti Karmani Nirdahatikintu Chapakti Bhajam Govindamari Purushantam Hambhajami For one who's fully engaged in Bhakti Bhajan and worshipping Krishna, Krishna's taking away the karma. Krishna's taking away everyone's karma who's engaged in devotional service. So it's, it's not a, uh, a scary prospect for the devotees in any way, shape, or form. They, they leave everything to Krishna and do their best. Naite sriti partajanan yogi muyati kashjana. As Krishna mentions in the 8th chapter of the Gita, a devotee doesn't calculate a lot of things like, when's the time I'm going to die? If he dies by accident or by at the wrong time, uh, he doesn't care because he's totally in the hands of Krishna when it comes to that. So better to have risked and failed and then gotten back than to have like, well, I don't want to offend anybody and I don't want to blow it, so I just won't make any vow at all. dharmam charanam bhujam harer. Narada Muni says in that first canto, fifth chapter of the Bhagavatam that so you jump for it and you missed. Better, and you get forward progress, just like in American football. If you get this far and then they push you back further, you already got there, so they mark it here. So Krishna marks it. He tried for the bar. You missed. Hey you, hey, you tried. The other person's like, nah, I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to make any vows. And then they don't make it. Or, 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 and, they, and they make a, a so-called successful life. Narada Muni said, what did they get? They didn't get anything. Better somebody who's a little bit ambitious. They are apakva. They were a little bit immature. They weren't ripe yet, but they went for it anyway and they missed it. No problem. Because it's devotional service. Krishna considers uh, the sincerity of the person. It's not a mechanical process. It's a very personal process. Jnana is very 
uh, mechanical. If you miss in that, you, you blew it. <laughs> Nobody is going to come to your pity party because you were just depending on your own strength and same with the karma marg. But in the bhakti marg, it's different. Of course, that's why I'll probably emphasize here, use the modifier that should not, what do you say, deliberately? Shouldn't deliberately fall down or take advantage of the process. Just try your best. Well, someone might ask, well, what does it mean to accidentally fall down? And Prabhupada once said, if they come back, it was accidental. If you string it out and just say, well, you know, I'm so fallen, I can't do anything. It's like, world smile, smile in comes out. And come on, get back in the process and improve yourself. Krishna will help. What did you think of that? It's uh, helpful to remember the destination. Otherwise, it's much easier to get caught up in the day-to-day drudgery of material life. But when we remember that, we're aiming towards Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Param Sada Prashanti Suri Yohoti Viva Chakshra Tatam Tadvi Prasovi Panyavo Jagrabam Sahasaminjate Vishnoya Paramam Param The devotees are walking in this world but they're aimed their their vision is there in the, on the spiritual world. And when we hear about the characteristics of that place, then it's enlivening that we're on that path. Despite the fact that it's it's a it may seem like uh, a long way. Mukunda, who was the uh, one of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's devotees, had um, been temporarily rejected by Mahaprabhu during his Mahaprakash. He was offering benedictions to everybody. And then the devotees said, what about Mukunda? Could you call Mukunda? He said, I'm, I won't call Mukunda. He goes here, there, and everywhere and listens to all kinds of kata. And therefore, no, I won't give him my, give him my mercy. And Mukunda was uh, in great anxiety hearing this and begged the devotees, please let, let me know when I can come back. And Mahabharata said, after a thousand births, you can come back. And Mukunda then began dancing in ecstasy. That, thousand births, I will see the Lord. And he considered that a small price because of the destination is so exalted. Okay, I'm going to continue unless you have another reflection or question. No, okay. 22. Yasmat andam virad yagne bhutendriya gunatmakaha tadravyam at yagad vishvam ghobi surya Ivatapam. From that personality of Godhead, all the universal globes and the universal form with all material elements, qualities, and senses are generated. Yet he is aloof from such material manifestations, like the sun, which is separate from its rays and heat. Purport. The supreme truth has been ascertained in the previous verse as Purusha, or the Purushottama, the Supreme Person. The Absolute Person is the Ishvara, or the Supreme Controller, by his different energies. The Ekapad Vibhuti, 
manifestation of the material energy of the Lord is just like one of the many mistresses of the Lord, by whom the Lord is not so much attracted. As indicated in the language of the Gita, Binna Prakti. But the region of the Tripad Vibhuti, being a pure spiritual manifestation of the energy of the Lord, is, so to speak, more attractive to him. The Lord therefore generates the material manifestations by impregnating the material energy, and then, within the manifestation, he expands himself as the gigantic form of the Vishwarupa. The Vishwarupa, as it was shown to Arjuna, is not the original form of the Lord. The original form of the Lord is the transcendental form of Purushottam or Krishna himself. It is very nicely explained herein that he expands himself just like the sun. The sun expands itself by its terrible heat and rays, yet the sun is always aloof from such rays and heat. The impersonalist takes into consideration the rays of the Lord without any information of the tangible, transcendental, eternal form of the Lord known as Krishna. Therefore, Krishna, in his supreme personal form, with two hands and flute, is bewildering for the impersonalists who can accommodate only the gigantic Vishwarupa of the Lord. They should know that the rays of the sun are secondary to the sun, and similarly, the impersonal gigantic form of the Lord is also secondary to the personal form of Purush as Purushottam. The Brahma Samhita 537 confirms this statement as follows. Ananda chinmaya rasa pratibhavitavis tabhirya eva nijurupataya kalabhi goloke eva nivasatya kilatma puto govinda madi purusham tamahumbajami. The Supreme Personality of Godhead Govinda, the one who enlivens the senses and everyone by his personal bodily rays, resides in his transcendental abode called Goloka. Yet he is present in every nook and corner of his creation by expansion of happy spiritual rays, equal in power to his personal potency of bliss. <laughs> he therefore simultaneously, he is therefore simultaneously personal and impersonal by his inconceivable potency. Or he is the one without a second displaying complete unity in a diversity of material and spiritual manifestations. He is separate from everything, and still nothing is different from him. Yudasya nadayan nalin nad aham asam mahatmana nadindam gyagyasambharan purushasvayavan rite when I was born from the abdominal lotus flower of the Lord, Mahavishnu, the great person, I had no ingredients for sacrificial performances except the bodily limbs of the great personality of Godhead. Purport. Lord Brahma, the creator of the cosmic manifestation, is known as Swayambhu, or one who is born without father and mother. The general process is that a living creature is born out of the sex combination of the male father and the female mother. But Brahma, the firstborn living being, is born out of the abdominal lotus flower of the Mahavishnu planetary, plenary expansion of Lord Krishna. The abdominal lotus flower is part of the Lord's bodily limbs, and Brahma is born out of the lotus flower. 
Therefore, Lord Brahma is also a part of the Lord's body. Brahma, after his appearance in the gigantic hollow of the universe, saw darkness and nothing else. He felt perplexity, and from his heart, he was inspired by the Lord to undergo austerity, thereby acquiring the ingredients for sacrificial performances. But there was nothing besides the two of them, namely the personality of Mahavishnu and Brahma himself, born of the bodily part of the Lord. For sacrificial performances, many ingredients were in need, especially animals. The animal sacrifice is never meant for killing the animal, but for achieving the successful result of the sacrifice. The animal offered in the sacrificial fire is, so to speak, destroyed, but the next moment it is given a new life by dint of the Vedic hymns chanted by the expert priest. When such an expert priest is not available, the animal sacrifice in the fire of the sacrificial altar is forbidden. Thus Brahma created even the sacrificial ingredients out of the bodily limbs of the Garbhadakshai Vishnu, which means that the cosmic order was created by Brahma himself. Also, nothing is created out of nothing, but everything is created from the person of the Lord. The Lord says in the Bhagavad Gita 10.8, Hang sarvasya prabhavo matak sarvam pravartate Everything is made from my bodily limbs, and I am therefore the original source of all creations. The impersonalists argue that there is no use in worshipping the Lord when everything is nothing but the Lord himself. The personalist, however, worships the Lord out of a great sense of gratitude, utilizing the ingredients born out of the bodily limbs of the Lord. The fruits and flowers are available from the body of the earth, and yet Mother Earth is worshipped by the sensible devotee with ingredients made from the earth. Similarly, Mother Ganges is worshipped by the water of the Ganges, and yet the worshipper enjoys the result of such worship. Worship of the Lord is also performed by the ingredients born from the bodily limbs of the Lord, and yet the worshipper, who is himself a part of the Lord, achieves the result of devotional service to the Lord. While the impersonalist wrongly concludes that he is the Lord himself, the personalist, out of a great gratitude, out of a great gratitude, worships the Lord in devotional service, knowing perfectly well that nothing is different from the Lord. The devotee therefore endeavors to apply everything in the service of the Lord because he knows that everything is the property of the Lord and that no one can claim anything as one's own. The perfect, this perfect conception of oneness helps the worshiper in being engaged in his loving service, whereas the impersonalist, being falsely puffed up, remains a non-devotee forever without being recognized by the Lord. 24. For performing sacrificial ceremonies, one requires sacrificial ingredients, such as flowers, leaves, and straw, along with the sacrificial altar and a suitable time, spring. Other requirements are utensils, grains, clarified butter, honey, gold, earth, water, the Rig Veda, Yajur Veda, and Sama Veda, and four priests to perform the sacrifice. Purport, to perform a sacrifice successfully, at least four expert priests are needed. One who can offer, Hota, one who can chant, Udgata, and one 
one who can kindle a sacrificial fire without the aid of separate fire, Odvaryu, and one who can supervise, Brahma. Such sacrifices were conducted from the birth of Brahma, the first living creature, and were carried on till the reign of Maharaj Yudhishthira. But such expert Brahmanan, Brahmana priests are very rare in this age of corruption and quarrel, and therefore in the present age only the yagya of chanting the holy name of the Lord is recommended. The scriptures enjoin Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Vakavalam, Kalo Nasteva, 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 Gatiranyata. One more, and then I'm going to take some reflections. You ready? Yes. Okay, two people are ready. Yes. Oh, all right. Okay. Other necessities include invoking the different names of the demigods by specific hymns and vows of recompense in accordance with the particular scripture for specific purposes and by specific processes. Purport. The whole process of offering sacrifice is under the category of fruitive action, and such activities are extremely scientific. They mainly depend on the process of vibrating sounds with a particular accent. It is a great science, and due to being out of proper use for more than 4,000 years for want of qualified brahmanas, such performances of sacrifice are no longer effective, nor are they recommended in this fallen age. Any such sacrifice undertaken in this age as a matter of show may simply be a cheating process by the clever priestly order. But such a show of sacrifices cannot be effective at any stage. Fruit of action is being carried on by the help of material science and to a little extent by gross material help. But the materialists await a still more subtle advancement in the process of vibrating sounds on which the Vedic hymns are established. Gross material science cannot divert the real purpose of human life. They can only increase the artificial needs of life without any solution to the problems of life. Therefore, the way of materialistic life leads to the wrong type of human civilization. Since the ultimate aim of life is spiritual realization, the direct way of invoking the holy name of the Lord, as mentioned above, is precisely recommended by Lord Chaitanya. And the people of modern and people of the modern age can easily take advantage of this simple process, which is tenable for the condition of the complicated social structure. And there's a um, mention here about how people are out of practice chanting the Vedic hymns. In fact, they were the Vedas, that is, the Vedic hymns, passed down through oral reception over many generations, very successfully, by the way. And there would, there would be uh, young people trained from an early age in a pristine environment, and they would uh, not only chant the mantras, they, were, uh, they would learn the intonations. That also helped to memorize them. And they also had hand gestures that would uh, accompany the, the various pitches, changes in pitches. And in fact, history shows that that was a more successful way of preserving the Vedas than was writing them down. Because originally, not everyone knew how to read and write. When we came to universal suffrage and, and the 
idea of democracy and everyone should learn how to read and write, which we have nowadays, that uh, there was previously um, only certain classes of people would learn to read and write. And one of the vocational um, programs for people was to be a scribe. And they weren't necessarily literate. Scribes just knew how to copy things. They were like modern-day Kinko copies or whatever you have over here. What do you have? King's copy? You have copy machine? Copy stores? What is it called? Krishna copy? We have that in California, Krishna copy. Anyway, they, were, they just copy because there were no electronic devices, obviously. And so a lot of times, you know, I mean, how many times have you copied something and you oops, <laughs> I just skipped a line or I wrote the same line twice. Some of these things happen, you know, when Shastras are passed down when they're written by hand. But the, it didn't happen when, when they were learned from an early age. Like your age, you'd be in the Guru Kul doing the mantras every day. Like that. And, you know, these all would be preserved and they'd be passed down. So, I mean, it hasn't been done for a long time, thousands of years. I was on Sankirtan the other day in Wales. And uh, usually I have all these lines loaded up. I mean, I still do, but uh, one of them I talked to a Filipino man. I could tell he was Filipino. And I was trying to say my Filipino stuff. Como esta acá? Magandang hapon. And, but it wasn't, it just like, and wait a minute. I guess I took a year and a half off <laughs> to talk to people. And so just after a year and a half, that mantra was sublimated. And I had to like, come on, where is it? And finally it came back out. I was speaking thousands of years of, of forgetting of mantras. Age of Kali is a time when uh, Krishna's given us a special dispensation that by chanting the holy name of the Lord, which is Sarva Vedishu Drishyate. If you know what to look for, it's the essence of all the Vedas. It's what the Vedas are all pointing to. Nikila Shuti Mali Ratnamala Dyuti Nirajita Pada Pankajanta. All of the Vedas, the crown jewel of all the Vedas are the Upanishads. And they get together from Mangalarti. They're worshipping the tips of the toes of the lotus feet of the holy name. So if you chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. then you're engaging in the most sublime and perfected process of, of, that the Vedas are pointing to. What other reflections do you have, or what did you hear? Yes? So, you know, there's so many brahmanas who are performing these at home, for example, like Ganesh Puja and Well, what's effective about yagyas is if somebody goes to a yagya and there happens to be a, de a pure devotee there, and then you meet a devotee. And this is, uh, for instance, uh, um, the, the Navyogendras met Maharaj Nimi, uh, or Maharaj Nimi met the Navyogendras. They descended uh, to his yagya out of their own sweet will, and... They were so venerable that even the fire stood up to greet them. 
offer, offer respect to these sages. And then, of course, in the 11th canto, you have Kavi, Havi, Antariksha, Prabodha, Pipalaina, Avrihotra, Karabhajana, Druma, Drumala, Chamasa, and Drumala. They're the Navyogendras. They came into the Yajna, because sometimes devotees show up there to give a little Sangha. That's the benefit of doing those, is that sometimes it might attract a devotee to come there. Distribute some books, set a book table up, you get a book. But other than that, there, there's, um, you know, even the sages in Naimasaranya didn't go for it. They started off and they said, hey, we're just getting smoke out of this thing. <laughs> and then when Sutta Goswami came, they said, ah, now we're on track because we have a pure devotee here to speak to us about the essence of life. And he told them about devotional service. So that's the benefit that one gets from those is that if somehow or other you get the association of a pure devotee. Otherwise, you can see definitively that Prabhupada, when he opened the Krishna Balaram, Balaram Mandir in 1975, uh, we were all there having kirtan and rip-roaring kirtan, I must add, because we were young and could dance for hours, and we did, and we just went on chanting and chanting, and Prabhupada had hired local smart Brahmins to come in and do all the sacrifices, throw rice in every direction, you know, millions of mantras. You can see videos of Prabhupada, who was involved in the process to some degree, looking a little, um, you know, um, I don't know what's the word. Uh, just, it was perfunctory for him. And that's, uh, he wrote in a purport afterwards that the kirtan was good enough. In fact, that, he said that was the real inauguration. And he said the only reason he invited all the smartest to do these yagyas was because if he didn't, the locals wouldn't have accepted it as bona fide. That's how much credence you know, we give to the, the yagyas. It gives a sort of trapping of you know, a Vedic environment, but really the process is Hare Krishna. I mean, look at Prabhupada's Vedic sacrifices. He, you know, he did them so simply. It's just to, you know, they're kind of, you know, lighting a fire in a room is, it impresses people, especially the fire department. And you light a fire, you're going to light a fire in here? But the main process is, is the Bhagavat Marg chanting Hare Krishna. We have Pancharatrik Marg also. There's some ways in which we perform some uh, um, activities that keep us purified so we can chant Hare Krishna. But Vedic sacrifice, the Vedic process is not lo no longer in effect in this age of Kali Yuga. You know, the Vedic sacrifices that are talked about here, which were really, as Prabhupada says here, technological marvels, just like the, the, your iPhone or smartphone. don't mean to make any like, discrimination whatever kind of phone you have, it, it's amazing. I don't know how it works to get a signal from... So similarly, modern geometry comes from, from Vedic sacrifice because it had to be so precise, just as chips, if they're a thousandth of a um, millimeter off in the schematics, 
then it starts leaking information. So similarly, these fire yagas are like that. They're a technological process through which we create a portal to the devas and uh, we can exchange the uh, fruits of sacrifice through that. doesn't work so well in this age. Anything else? Yeah. I just I just know that in Agrush twenty two. Yes. Is where it says the Yehi is a new from such material manifestations like the sun which is separate from its rays and heat. Because like that's like the power comes. It uses that example so many times. Yeah. Yeah. One of his consorts, but he's aloof from from her. But he does glance. And that's enough. Remind the last sentence of this Prabhupada. Um, Prabhupada said very succinctly, he said, since the ultimate aim of life is spiritual realization, the direct way of invoking the holy name of the Lord, as mentioned above, is precisely recommended by Lord Chaitanya. So Lord Chaitanya didn't give a way, you know, way of uh, self-realization or God-realization precisely recommended and the people of modern age can easily take advantage of this simple process many beautiful words used there and then finally he says which is tenable for the condition of the complicated social structure i think the word tenable is very very important because tenable means to be able to hold on to something mm. and no other process in kaliyuga can be held up to. People do meditation, they do yoga, they get old, they can't do their postures, meditation, their mind starts wavering. Nothing else can you, can, it's tenable. So I think Prabhupada so precisely says, I think that inspired me, uh, which is tenable for the condition of the complicated social structure. So the only tenable thing that you can hold on to till the end of your life Thank you. That was really nice. It just shows also you can go into any sentence that Prophet has in his purports and find deep meaning. Tenable, just like the word tendon has the word ten in it. It holds on to, but muscle holds the muscle and bone together. And there are a lot of ten words that have that root. Tenable is a great word, isn't it? Wow. Okay, one more reflection from anybody and we'll move on. You got to think of it before I get my glasses on. Okay, we'll just keep going. A little bit more. Text 25. Vastun yo daya sneha rasa loha mrdojalam rucho yajumshi samani chatur hotram chasaktama I think it's text 27 oh sorry gatayo matayash chaiva prayash chittam samarpanam purushava yavaya ete sambara 
Sambrita Maya. Thus, I had to arrange all these necessary ingredients and paraphernalia of sacrifice for the personal bodily, from the personal bodily parts of the Personality of Godhead by invocation of the demigods' names. The ultimate goal, Vishnu, was gradually attained and thus compensation and ultimate offering were complete. In this verse, special stress is given to the person of the Supreme Lord and not to his impersonal Brahmajyoti as being the source of all supplies. Narayan, the Supreme Lord, is the goal of sacrificial results and therefore the Vedic hymns are ultimately meant for attaining this goal. Human life is thus made successful by pleasing Narayan and getting entrance into the direct association of Narayan in the spiritual kingdom of Vaikuntha. Iti samrita sambara purushasva yajvair aham tameva purusham yajnam tenaiva yajnam ishvaram Thus, I created the ingredients and paraphernalia for offering sacrifice out of the parts of the body of the Supreme Lord, the enjoyer of the sacrifice, and I performed the sacrifice to satisfy the Lord. Purport, people in general are always anxious to have peace of mind or peace in the world, but they do not know how to achieve such a standard of peace in, in the world. Such peace in the world is obtainable by performances of sacrifice and by practice of austerity. In the Bhagavad Gita 5.29, the following prescription is recommended. Bhuktaram yajyatapasam sarvaloka maheshwaram suridam sarvabhutanam the karma yogi, yogis know that the Supreme Lord is the factual enjoyer and maintainer of all sacrifices and of the austere life. They also know that the Lord is the ultimate proprietor of all the planets and is the factual friend of all living entities. Such knowledge gradually converts the karma, karma yogis into pure devotees of the Lord through the association of unalloyed devotees. And thus, they are able to be liberated from material bondage. See, there it is. Association with unalloyed period of the karma yogis. Brahma, the original living being within the material world, taught us the way of sacrifice. The word sacrifice suggests dedication of one's own interests for satisfaction of a second person. That is the way of all activities. Every man is engaged in sacrificing his interests for others, either in the form of family, society, community, country, or the entire human society. But perfection of such sacrifices is attained when they are performed for the sake of the Supreme Person, the Lord. Because the Lord is the proprietor of everything, because the Lord is the friend of all living creatures, and because He is the maintainer of the performer of sacrifice, as well as the supplier of the ingredients of sacrifices, it is he only and no one else who should be satisfied by all such by by all sacrifices. The whole world is engaged in sacrificing energy for advancement of learning, social upliftment, economic development, and plans for total improvement of the human condition. But no one is interested in sacrificing for the sake of the Lord, as it is advised in the Bhagavad Gita. Therefore. There is no peace in the world. If men at all want peace in the world, they must practice sacrifice 
in the interest of the supreme proprietor and friend of all. Tatas te bratara ime prajanam patayonava ayajan vyaktam avyaktam purusham su samahita. My dear son, thereafter your nine brothers who are the masters of living creatures performed the sacrifices with proper rituals to satisfy both the manifested and non-manifested personalities. Purport, the manifested personalities are the demigods like the ruler of the heavenly kingdom, Indra, and his associates, and the non-manifested personality is the Lord himself. The manifested personalities are mundane controllers of the material affairs, whereas the non-manifested personality of God it is transcendental, beyond the range of the material atmosphere. In this age of Kali, the manifested demigods are also not to be seen, for space travel has completely stopped. So both the powerful demigods and the supreme personality of Godhead are non-manifested to the covered eyes of the modern man. Modern men want to see everything with their eyes, although they are not sufficiently qualified. Consequently, they disbelieve in the existence of the demigods or of the supreme god. They should see through the pages of authentic scriptures and should not simply believe their unqualified eyes. Even in these days, God can also be seen by qualified eyes tinged with the ointment of love of God. Verse, please. Premanjana charita bhakti vilochanena Sadeva Yam shama sundana machintya gunaswarupam govindamari purusham damaham bhajami. 20, 30, I mean. Tatascha manava kale ijire rishayopare petaro vibuddha daitya manusha kratubhir vibhum. Thereafter, the manus. Thereafter, the Manus, the fathers of mankind, the great sages, the forefathers, the learned scholars, the daitas, and mankind performed sacrifices meant to please the Supreme Lord. Purport, the daitas are devotees of the demigods because they want to derive the greatest possible material facilities from them. The devotees of the Lord are ekanishta, or absolutely attached to the devotional service of the Lord. It's a nice name, Ekanishna. I forgot to give to the research department. I'll give you a pen. I have a genuine Bic. Oops. Bic pen. Hare Krishna. Just write down that. Eka. Eka Nishta. Eka Nishta means absolutely attached to the devotional service of the Lord. Therefore, they have practically no time to seek the benefits of material facilities. 
there's a migration going on. Because of their realization of their spiritual identity, they're more concerned with spiritual emancipation than with material comforts. Classic line. Narayane Bhagavati Tad Idam Vishram Ahitam Bihita Mayaru Guna Sarga Dava Guna Swata. All the material manifestations of the universes are therefore situated in his powerful material energies, which he accepts self-sufficiently, although he is eternally without affinity for the material modes. Purport. The question put by Narada before Brahma concerning the sustenance of the material creation is thus answered. Material actions and reactions as the material scientists can superficially observe are not basically ultimate truth in regard to creation, maintenance, and destruction. The material energy is a potency of the Lord which is displayed in time, accepting the three qualities of goodness, passion, and ignorance in the forms of Vishnu, Brahma, and Shiva. The material energy thus works under the supreme spell of his Lordship. That's nice. The material energy thus works under the supreme spell of his Lordship, although he is always transcendental to such material activities. Look up the word spell. And we want the definition of it that means that you go into some kind of state. Okay? A rich man constructs a big house by spending his energy in the shape of resources. And similarly, he destroys a big house by his resources. But the maintenance is always under his personal care. That's interesting. The Lord is the richest of the rich because he is always fully complete in six opulences. Therefore, he is not required to do anything personally, but everything in the material world is carried out by his wishes and directions. Therefore, the entire material manifestation is situated in Narayan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The impersonal conception of the Supreme Truth is due to lack of knowledge only, and this fact is clearly explained by Brahmaji, who is supposed to be the creator of the universal affairs. Brahmaji is the highest authority in Vedic wisdom, and his assertion in this connection is therefore the supreme information. Spell, please. Oh, that's one of the meanings. There's more. Please give more definition. Um, a period spent on activity. Um, Keep going. Try to hit the context. It's uh, somebody's under a spell. Like it's in here, somebody say, he's under my spell. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like magic or something. Not spell. Robert, you got it? Go ahead. Magical charm or incantation. A state of enchantment caused by such a form of words. So when I was in Toronto, we were in, on the street distributing books, and I met these two gentlemen from some part of Africa. They were businessmen, 
And so they were well-dressed, educated. I was showing the Bhagavad Gita. One man was skeptical. He already had some dedication, a process, which precluded him from looking at anything else in the world. And then the other guy was kind of open. So they ended up taking a book, the person who was open. And I said, um, do you believe in the power of prayer? He said, yeah. And I said, let me teach you this prayer from Sanskrit. It's meant to wake up love for God in your heart. So I was showing them the card and I said, please repeat after me, Hare Krishna. And the, the person who was a little open, it was about to say it, and his friend stopped him and said, don't do it. <laughs> and I said, why? And he goes, you don't know what it's going to do to you. And it reminds me of this point, you know, there, there's this feeling. And I said, yeah, you're, he's actually right. You know, <laughs> if you say this, it'll never be the same. Just, so there's, there's this sense of the power of language. It's there in, in the logos, in the Bible. It's described in the beginning was the word, the word was God. And the creation starts play, takes place with the proclamation. And let there be light. And then the light comes. The word is very powerful. And the mantra or the incantation that uh, can open all the mysteries uh, of the universe, of the oneself, you know, just by that. And, uh, and then going back to the, the context here that the material nature, like how's it going on? It's by the spell of the Supreme Personality of God. It, it, he just charms it all and makes it work. Otherwise, mechanically, you're not going to figure it out. Like, here, here's the, you, it's the problem of the prime mover. There's got to be a prime mover somewhere. If you have a train going around in a circle, you may say by momentum, but eventually, unless there's an engine that's pulling it, it doesn't, it, it'll lose its momentum. This has been proved in physics. So there is no sense in which the material nature is independently going on by itself. There were some theories proposed that because of the exchange of energy. Within the exchange, there was a kind of energy that helped keep the momentum going, and that's how the whole thing's going, and it's just impersonal. But it's not tenable, because, as uh, modern science has already proved, you have to have a prime mover, and there has to be a, a, an engine that's keeping it going. And so it's very reasonable, then, to have a prime mover who's all-powerful and whose uh, mystic powers making the material nature work. Mayadyakshena prakriti, which is kind of an interesting verse also because there's sense there of just by the Lord's glance. It's just his eyes. He just looks at it and it works by, by his potencies, right? Okay, a couple more verses. Are you happy? You, you're good. You sit here and just listen to Bhagavatam. That's really, you know, most kids can't do that. It's amazing what you do. Okay, where am I? 20 to 32, right? Okay, srijami means do create, tut by his niyukta appointment. Srijami tan niyukto aham, I. So I create by his appointment. Hara, Lord Shiva, harati destroys tut vasha under his subordination, so Shiva is destroying everything, Vishram Purusha, Rupena, and the whole universe, the personality of Godhead, by his eternal form, 
Paripati, he maintains. Tri Shakti Drik, the controller of three energies. Tri Shakti Drik. By his will, I create, Lord Shiva destroys, and he himself, in his eternal form, as the personality of Godhead, maintains everything. He is the powerful controller of these three energies. Purport. The conception of one without a second is clearly confirmed here. The one is Lord Vasudev, and only by his different energies and expansions are different manifestations, both in the material and the spiritual worlds, maintained. In the material world also, Lord Vasudev is everything, as stated in Bhagavad Gita 7.19, Vasudeva Sarvamiti. Everything is Vasudev only. In the Vedic hymns also, the same Vasudev is held to be supreme. It is said in the Vedas, Vasudevat paro brahman na chanyorto sthitattvataha. In fact, there is no greater truth than Vasudev. Is there a question, a quick quiz? Is there any truth greater than Vasudev? No. Correct. And Lord Krishna affirms the same truth in the Bhagavad Gita 7.7. Matak paratanam nanyat. There is nothing above me, Lord Krishna. So the conception of oneness as overly stressed by the impersonalist, is also accepted by the personalist devotee of the Lord. The difference is that the impersonalist denies personality in the ultimate issue, whereas the devotee gives more importance to the personality of Godhead. Srimad Bhagavatam explains this truth in the verse under discussion. Lord Vasudeva is one without a second, but because he is all-powerful, he can expand himself as well as display his omnipotencies. The Lord is described here as omnipotent by three energies, three shakti drik. So primarily, his three energies are internal, marginal, and external. This external energy is also displayed in the three modes of goodness, passion, and ignorance. Similarly, the internal potency is also displayed in the three spiritual modes, sambit, sandini, and haladini. The marginal potency, or the living entities, is also spiritual, prakritim vidime param. But the living entities are never equal to the Lord. The Lord is nirasta samya atishaya. In other words, no one is greater than or equal to the Supreme Lord, so the living entities, including even such personalities as Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva, are all subordinate to the Lord. In the material world also, in his eternal form of Vishnu, he maintains and controls all the affairs of the demigods, including Brahma and Shiva. Interesting uh, uh, point made in the uh, seventh canto, I believe. It's uh, in a purport. Prabhupada uh, mentions a commentary by Jiva Goswami when he talks about Hlada um, Tapachaya and how the internal potence, the energies in the spiritual world uh, get perverted into the material world in Hlada Tapatraya, which means that they um, uh, afflict us rather than giving uh, knowledge, um, eternality, and, and bliss, that, that um, everything becomes reversed and they become three sources of, of misery from, from various angles. Hlada Tapatraya. 
So the energies are here, but they're, they're um, creating misery for us rather than what they normally do. My dear son, whatever you inquired from me, I have thus explained unto you, and you must know for certain that whatever there is, either as cause or as effect, both in the material and spiritual worlds, is dependent on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Purport. The complete cosmic situation, both in the material and the spiritual manifestations of the energies of the Lord, is working and moving first as the cause and then as the effect. But the original cause is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Effects of the original cause become the causes of other effects, and thus everything, either permanent or temporary, is working as cause and effect. And because the Lord is the primeval cause of all persons and all energies, he is called the cause of all causes, as confirmed in the Brahma Sanghita as well as in the Bhagavad Gita. The Brahma Samhita 5.1 confirms, Ishvara Parama Krishna Sakchirananda Vigraha Anadiradir Govinda Sarvakarana Karanam And in the Bhagavad Gita 10.8 it is said, Aham sarvasya prabhavo matak sarvam pravartate iti matva bhajante mam buddha bhava samanvitaha. So the original primeval cause is vigraha, the personal and the impersonal spiritual effulgence, Brahma Jyoti, is also an effect of the supreme Brahman, Brahmanohi Pratishtaham, Lord Krishna. Okay, everyone ready? Na bharatim ga nrisho palakshate na vai kvachin me manaso mrishagati na me rishikani patantyasat pate yan me redoubt kant yavata dritohari. O Narada, because I have caught hold of the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead Hari with great zeal, Whatever I say has never proven to have been false. Nor is the progress of my mind ever deterred. Nor are my senses ever degraded by temporary attachment to matter. Purport. Pardon? Would you like to? Zeal, put it down. Lord Brahma is the original speaker of Vedic wisdom to Narada, and Narada is the distributor of transcendental knowledge all over the world through his various disciples like Vyasadeva and others. The followers of Vedic wisdom accept the statements of Brahmaji as gospel truth, and transcendental knowledge is thus being distributed all over the world by the process of disciplic succession from time immemorial since the beginning of the creation. Lord Brahma is the perfect liberated living being within the material world, and any sincere student of transcendental knowledge must accept the words and statements of Brahmaji as infallible. The Vedic knowledge is infallible because it comes down directly from the Supreme Lord unto the heart of Brahma. And since he is the most perfect living being, Brahmaji is also correct to the letter. And this is because Lord Brahma is a great devotee of the Lord, who has earnestly accepted the lotus feet of the Lord as the supreme truth. In the Brahma Samhita, which is compiled by Brahmaji, he repeats the aphorism, 
Govindamadi Purusham Tamaham Bajami. I am a worshipper of the original personality of Godhead Govinda, the primeval Lord. So whatever he says, whatever he thinks, and whatever he does normally in his mood are to be accepted as truth because of his direct and very intimate connection with Govinda, the primeval Lord. Sri Govinda, who pleasingly accepts the loving transcendental service of his devotees, gives all protection to the words and actions of his devotees. He gives protection to the words and actions of the devotees. Put that one down. Gives That's interesting. He protects the words of his devotees. The Lord declares in the Bhagavad Gita 931, Kaunteya Pratijanihi. O son of Kunti, please declare it. The Lord asks Arjuna to declare, and why? Because sometimes the declaration of Govinda himself may seem contradictory to mundane creatures, but the mundaner will never find any contradiction in the words of the Lord's devotees. The devotees are especially protected by the Lord so that they may remain infallible. Therefore, the process of devotional service always begins in the service of the devotee who appears in disciplic succession. The devotees are always liberated, but that does not mean that they are impersonal. The Lord is a person eternally, and the devotee of the Lord is also a person eternally. Because the devotee has his sense organs, even at the liberated stage, he is therefore a person always. The plans of the devotee never go in vain, and all this is due to the faithful attachment of the devotee for the service of the Lord. This is the standard of perfection and liberation. Anyone beginning from Brahmaji down to the human being is at once put on the path of liberation simply by his attachment in great earnestness for the Supreme Lord Sri Krishna, the primeval Lord. The Lord affirms this in Bhagavad Gita 14.26. Mamchayo, everyone, Mamchayo Vyabhichadena Bhakti Yogena Sevate Sagunan Samatityaitan Brahma Yakopate Anyone, therefore, who is earnestly serious in heart and soul about being in intimate touch with the personality of Godhead in the relationship of transcendental loving service will always be infallible in words and action. The reason is that the Supreme Lord is absolute truth and anything earnestly dovetailed with the absolute truth attains the same transcendental quality. On the other hand, any amount of mental speculation on the strength of material science and knowledge without any bona fide touch with the absolute truth is sure to be a mundane untruth and failure simply due to not being in touch with the absolute truth. Such godless, unfaithful words and actions, however, materially enriched, are never to be trusted. That is the purport of this important verse. A grain of devotion is more valuable than tons of faithlessness. That just became my new favorite purport. I'll let, let's take a few reflections and uh, questions. Since we have nothing to do and nowhere to go, we only sit here and read Bhagavatam. We don't even take food or drink. Right? No food or drink. Only Bhagavatam. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. 
it, the yeah in fact um yeah the the verb merged is you know disputable but it's there's a sense that they already are the supreme brahman but now that they they have some they woke up on the wrong side of the bed and now they they can't see it anymore kind of like that so their ideas when when the illusion is is removed though again um be aware of their godhood i mean even saying the words doesn't really make sense because you know we're implying personality and also two things at <laughs> once so that's why the mind philosophy is is very difficult to um entertain you're welcome yes Yeah. I mean, when you said that, it reminded me of Nalakuvera and Manigriva. I mean, it's very pronounced in the time. When Nalakuvera and Manigriva were cursed by Narada, then Narada put in his blessing, which was that you're going to be in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj, and then when Krishna comes, he'll liberate you from your tree bodies and you'll have darshan and that pastime that we're celebrating now in this month when damodar uh, is tied to the mortar then he starts dragging it and then he remembers not that he remembers he already knew it i mean but it, it just uh was the right time and so he said my devotee narada had stated that i would Rescue Nalakuvera and Manikriva. And because he said it, I will do it. And so, you know, Shurpram Bhavati Dharma Ma Shashvashantim Nagachati, Konteya Pratijani, Name Bhaktiya Pranashati. And the Bhagavad Gita Krishna tells, I should declare it boldly. Uh, because the devotee says it, it'll happen. So, yeah, it's a, it's a striking, uh, very personal purport, isn't it? But it's by the blessings of the, of the, sincere devotees who are connected to Krishna in all ways that we're able to tread the path. Prabhu. Just to add to what Sri Kumar said, um, in uh, one of the commentaries, Sri Kumar says that he extends this analogy and he says, Manigriva and Nalakuvara, they were so unqualified to receive any mercy and the reason we know that is Immediately when the trees fell and they regained their original forms, they just stood there with folded hands. They didn't even say, my dear Lord, you are dying. Should I untie you? <laughs> so they didn't even, they, they, in fact, uh, Bhagavatam says, they just stood there mm. uh, and asking the Lord, what's next? What do I do? They didn't, they didn't even have a sense of, so it was completely clueless. Um, and then he says, well, actually, they could not possibly untie the Lord because the Lord was tied 
by the love of Mother Yashoda, mm. and they don't have entrance into that realm. Mm. So that's a very different uh, interaction. And so the Lord just says, you go, and he, they disappear. So it's a very beautiful extension to what he does. Yeah, and it so much indicates the the merciful nature of the pure devotee, Narada Muni, that in, in his words, and just that he had the impetus to go there, and that was what was in his heart, like, how can I help these people? That's that's the way the, the pure devotee thinks. Sanatana Goswami, in his commentary of Dhamadarashtakam, he, exactly as you said, hmm. he brings the exact same points. Uh, and he says, Satyabrata Muni is saying, essentially, in his prayers, why is he bringing Nalakuvad and Manikriva? Of all people, he is, he is reminding the Lord wow. that you have shown your mercy to the most ineligibles. So why not me? If you can show mercy to them, to these individuals, then why not me? And that's why he brings their names in Dhamadarashtakam. Oh, that's amazing. Really sweet. Thank you, Prabhu. Hey Krishna. Such a wonderful association today and hearing from you. Just, uh, I just wanted to share in relation to what everybody is saying. There is a beautiful quote by His Holiness Radha Swami Maharaj. He says, All the scriptures have this conclusion. To make that a moment's association with a sadhu is the most valuable thing in all of creation. Because that moment's association of a sadhu can open the doors to the loving service of Krishna in our lives. There is nothing more valuable than that. Wow. So succinctly put. Thank you for sharing that. Hare Krishna. Prabhu, Hare Krishna. Um, following on from what my good sister just said, a moment's association with the sadhu. Now, actually, I didn't have close association. On the disappearance day of Prabhupada, I was in Africa in 1979, November, and I heard the news on BBC radio. I didn't know who was Prabhupada. I didn't know anything about Krishna consciousness. But that mercy was so much developed even when Prabhupada was living the world, this material world. So, you know, in a way you can say, I'm the living proof of that mercy. Mm. So, it's never to be taken for granted. And, you know, earlier on we read uh, about, you know, being cannibals. The world is looking for peace all the time. There's never been an age where people don't want peace. But it's never going to happen unless, as it rightly says here in the Bhagavatam, people who sacrifice, sacrifice to the satisfaction of the Lord mm. and his devotion because they work in a selfless manner. And unfortunately, the worldwide, in all the institutions, there are so many divisions and departments, mm. and they work tirelessly to do this and that, but there is no ingredient of devotion in any of those activities. So ultimately, their results will come to nothing. It's all a fruitless labor. And the more you see that, the more you realize how the world is, you know, in dire need of this Krishna consciousness. And to that, I have to express our sincere gratitude for your leading ability and the drive to really put the ability at the center of all the activities worldwide. 
it will happen so much, I'm sure it will do. Because time will... Uh, <laughs> and your lips to the Lord's ears. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Prabhu. That was beautiful. Hare Krishna. Yes. many verses I was seeing so much positivity that there is fearlessness in the spiritual world there is no disease there is no death then in some of the in one of the verses we read that the impersonalists do not accept the personal form of the Lord but the personalists the devotees they do accept the impersonal form as well so the devotees of the Lord are the ones who has so much positivity and who doesn't have um, pessimist, pessimistic view about anything in this material world as well. They accept everything either as the manifestation of the Lord or mercy of the Lord. So I was just contemplating whilst reading these verses that apart from positivity, nothing else is being absorbed within us reading through these purports, reading through these shlokas. And through positivity, only we can attain the peacefulness or happiness. So. Yeah, I heard the other day, thank you for your points. They're well taken. Uh, Prabhupada was talking about yoga. And Prabhupada said, yoga means plus. Everything plus. <laughs> it's all positive. It's like... Um, the example of material life being the negative numbers on the, neg on the number line. And then you have the voidist, the Buddhistic ideas that you get out of karma by coming up to zero. But zero, after all, is zero. But real positivity means activity and bhakti. That's plus. Yoga means plus. Yeah, it's all positive. It's all perfect, all blissful. <laughs> it's all perfect, all blissful. And Raja Vijaya Raja Kuhyam Pavitam Idamutamam Pratyakshavadamam Dhanyam Susukam Kartamadyam All positive. It's uh, joyfully performed. It's, it's secret of all secrets. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's see. Oh... 7.54. When we go to Govardhan every year, it's usually where we are, we have a shashal there. We have about, usually 20 of us we can fit in the room where we do our hearing and chanting. And we have two and a half hours in the morning and two and a half hours at night every day for the month. And then, um, you know, it requires an ashram situation. Everyone staying in the same place to be tight and everyone be there, and then Prashadam's always on exact same time. And, um, yeah, and same Prashadam, pretty much. Well, I mean, it's nectarian, but in the morning it's Kitri and Kitri and some Dahi, if you're lucky. And uh, in the afternoon they have two sabjis, some rice, dal, chapatis. And then there's a lot of feast days, too, because people like to sponsor feasts out there, so then you get other things. Anyway, besides the prasadam, but we're just a realization about the, the, that kind of yagya is that it requires a lot of planning. And I was thinking, well, why only five hours a day? I mean, you know, because we have 24, 
And we're trying as hard as we can to minimize everything. We get up at 2.45, go to Montclair Teak, do our rounds and all that. But the whole uh, purpose of being there is here Bhagavatam. So then, then it's like, why do we only get five hours out of 24? It's because it's not so easy. There's so many um, other activities contending for our attention. So Bhagavatam, you know, this Parikshit Maharaj, Naishakti Dushahasun Man, Taktodam Apipadate, Pibantam Tam Mukan Boja, Chutam Harikatam Ritam declares, you know, usually I'd be hungry or thirsty, but I'm fasting. I'm not even sleeping. I'm not tired because chutam harikatamritam, because nectar is falling from your mouth. But my main point is that it takes um, engineering and practice to hear and chant a lot. Because, first of all, there has to be a taste. Sometimes people come in the environment, like as I've seen in, like, in Govardhan, and after half hour he goes, is this all, you're, is all we're going to do? <laughs> I've got to go. And it takes, it takes some time for the mind to actually get attracted, just like with chanting japa. It can be like round 14 when the mind goes, hey, I think I just heard something. That, that sounds kind of interesting. You know? And then by 15 and a half, you're like, you sure you want to stop? So it takes a lot of practice to hear and chant. And that, that's what we should be doing. So I, I'm so touched. And, and I commend all of you for coming here and uh, spending your time. It's so heartening. To just, you know, you bring your iPad and you just lean into the whole thing. Definitely do some major damage to the Anartas and the Kali Yuga all at the same time. And now, tonight, the damage has been done and it can't be taken back. We did, we did what we did and it's, it's permanent. So, do we have any more sessions or was that it? You're back on Monday, Mike. On Monday? Yes, Mike. Monday okay. and Tuesday, same place. Okay, same place. Be back here Monday, Tuesday, and keep keep the vibration going. And we'll take up where we left off just now. I started the first part of this at ISV just before we left, doing reading sessions as many times as we could. Gorpremanande. Yeah.